This is the Victory Podcast. Every week, we'll share an inspiring message about God's grace and forgiveness for you, wherever you're at in life. Your victory starts now. Let's pray. Lord God, we ask special favor of the outpouring of your Holy Spirit today. We live in a, a society in a time of, of knowledge and information. We ask that you would fill us with your wisdom and your love and that we would lean in on you and, and all of who you are in all of our doings. Because then people will see you and you will be glorified and the light of Jesus our Savior will shine brightly. Pray this in your name. Amen. Have you ever played the game 20 Questions? The premise of the game, right, is for someone to come up with something, anything, and then tell the other players what category it's in, either a person, place, or thing. And then those other players have 20 questions to try and figure out what it is. 20 questions. If only five-year-olds only ask 20 questions a day. But for them, it's 525,600 questions a day. People had questions for Jesus. People have questions for the Apostle Paul. Paul is the writer of 1 Corinthians, and that's the book that we're studying in our series, Foolproof. And today we're going to look at one of those questions that the people of Corinth back 2,000 years ago had. And as we look at their question, we're going to see how it can answer one of the questions that we have. And that is, what are the keys to living a foolproof life in a divided society? Okay, so let's jump in and, and let's look at one of the questions that the people had way back then. They apparently had written to the Apostle Paul some of their questions. And so Paul picks it up and he says, now for the matters you wrote about, about food sacrificed to idols. It's not exactly a question that we have today, is it, at all? It's not a big question, but I want you to know that as we go through this, the answer to the question that they have is going to really apply to everything in our lives. Every conversation that we have, every relationship that we have. Okay. So about food sacrifice to idols. Go back 2,000 years ago and picture a guy named Bob. Okay. Bob is a, a lifelong resident of the city of Corinth and he's a recent convert to Christianity. Steve, on the other hand, is new to the city of Corinth, but he's a lifelong Christian. The two meet for the very first time at the Corinth Fitness Center, and they, they strike up a, a conversation. And in that conversation, Bob ends up inviting Steve to church, which is just awesome because Steve is new in town. He, he doesn't even know if there's a Christian church in Corinth or not. And, and you know, the two hit it off. 
They form a great relationship, a growing relationship between their time at the fitness center and the time at church as they worship together, work out together, and go back and forth with all of that. And so one Friday, after they had finished working out in the morning, Steve asked Bob, hey, Bob, do you want to go out to eat tomorrow night? And Bob goes, oh, that'd be great, man. I don't have anything going. And Steve says, well, cool. You know, I got a, a gift card for Christmas and I'll buy then. And it's to the steakhouse up in the third ward. And I've heard nothing but good stuff about that place. And Bob goes, oh, the, the steakhouse in the third ward. And Steve goes, yeah, the steakhouse in the third ward. And Bob goes, um, I can't go. And Steve's like, what do you mean you can't go? And he goes, well, that, that steakhouse in the third ward, that's the one that's connected to that pagan temple. And Steve's like, so? And Bob goes, well, before I became a Christian, I used to go to that temple with my family. And my family and I, we did all the things in that temple. We, 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 we participated in all the things from prostitution to, to sacrificing bulls to idols. And, and I know what happens to some of that meat that gets sacrificed to idols. I know that they sell some of that to the restaurants. And I know for sure that they sell some of that meat sacrificed to idols to the steakhouse because it's just connected with that temple. And Steve's like, well, so what? You don't belong to that temple anymore. You know there aren't idols any longer. And Bob's like, I just can't do it. If we're eating our steak in that restaurant, I, I know what happened next door. I know what's going on. I know what's all behind all of that. I, I can't do it. And Steve goes, it's okay, man. It's all right. And he breaks into to the 2,000-year-ago version of Disney's Let It Go. Huh? And there's this tension between Bob and Steve. Can you think of any tension points in our culture? Right, now let's, let's go back to that culture about food sacrifice to idols, and, and Paul goes on. We know that we all possess knowledge, but knowledge puffs up while love builds up. Those who think they know something do not yet know as they ought to know, but whoever loves God is known by God. Steve and Bob both have knowledge of the issue. The difference is that this knowledge for Steve, it's not only in his head, but it's in his heart. He, he's got it down pat. It's, it's not a problem. But for Bob, he's got the knowledge that there's no idols in his head. He understands that intellectually, but he's struggling with it yet in his heart. He's struggling with it emotionally. Steve has all this theology, all this knowledge, and Steve is right. 
But that's not the most important thing here. Paul goes on and he plays a a word game with the word no. Uh, The word no, and there's a a couple of different words for it. One of them is that you know it by your head and your heart. You know it intellectually and by experience. And the other word is you just know it in your head. It just hasn't transferred down to your heart yet. You know it's true, but you're having trouble hanging on to it. Again, Steve's got this down. He has all the scriptures. He has all the theology and he is right. And he wants to push Bob into doing what Steve knows is right. But love is more important. You see, you can brag about knowing all the right things, but it's the one who loves who is doing the right thing. It is the one who loves who shows that they know God and that God knows them. And so as we just think about it, what is or what are the keys to living a foolproof life in a divided society? Knowledge makes us feel right, but it is love that is right. Think about how that plays out in all the relationships that you have and all the conversations that you have. Here's an example, right? From little on, I was told, and and I imagine you were too, that when you're like at a family gathering or or something like that or, or talking with people, don't bring up politics or religion. Why not? Because everyone wants to show off their knowledge but not demonstrate their love. And so Paul continues. So then about eating food sacrificed to idols, we know that an idol is nothing at all in the world. And there is no God but one. For even if there are so-called gods, whether in heaven or on earth, as indeed there are many gods and many lords, yet for us there is but one God, the Father from whom all things came and for whom we live and there is but one Lord Jesus Christ through whom all things came and through whom we live. So what Paul is saying is that when you boil it all down, it's all right to eat the meat sacrificed to the idols because the idols are nothing. Okay? There may be this wood or stone statue, but that thing is nothing. It can't hear, it can't move, it can't talk, it can't do anything. You can go ahead and eat the meat. But it's more complicated than that. And so he continues. But not everyone possesses this knowledge. Some people are still so accustomed to idols that when they eat sacrificial food, they think of it as having been sacrificed to a God. And since their conscience is weak, it is defiled. But food does not bring us near to God. We're no worse if we do not eat and no better if we do. Again, Paul is is saying not 
everyone has this knowledge that's touching their head and their heart at the same time because of their past experience. And he says to everybody that, that's listening, remember, you're, you're not winning approval from God if you're eating the meat, and you're not winning approval from God if you're not eating the meat. And so Paul is making a distinction here between a moral issue A law issue, something that God either commands that we are to do or commands that we are not to do. It's making a distinction between that, a moral issue, and adiaphora. Adiaphora is something that's neither commanded nor forbidden by God. In matters of adiaphora, you have a lot of freedom. You can make a a lot of different choices because there's no command one way or another. And so Paul goes on then. Be careful, however, that the exercise of your rights does not become a stumbling block to the weak. For if someone with a weak conscience sees you with all your knowledge eating in an idol's temple, won't that person be emboldened to eat what is sacrificed to idols? So this weak brother or sister for whom Christ died is destroyed by your knowledge. When you sin against them in this way and wound their weak conscience, you sin against Christ. Therefore, if what I eat causes my brother or sister to fall into sin, I will never eat meat again so that I will not cause them to fall. So as Paul's talking here, he's talking about weak and by default, then they're strong, right? There's weak and strong and this has got nothing to do with physical strength. It's got nothing to do with mental abilities. This has got everything to do with a person's conscience either a weak conscience or a strong conscience. And I think we both, all of us, we have both of them inside of us. There are some issues that we're really strong in, and and that's really kind of what we want, right? We want to be strong in. There are also issues that we're all weakened as well. And maybe some of the areas where you're strong, I'm strong, and where you're weak, I'm weak, but not necessarily, right? And so we're not always on the same page, and so there's tension. But here's the thing. If you're strong, be careful. If you're strong, don't go parading around your freedom in front of others to the degree that you're causing that person with a weak conscience to follow you and go against their conscience. The way we handle our freedom, the way we handle our rights as Christians is very, very important. So what are the keys to living a foolproof life in a divided setting? Remember that just because something is right doesn't mean that it is the right and loving thing to do. Just because it's right 
doesn't mean it's the right and loving thing to do. Let me give you an example. So you're out driving along and, and you come to uh, one of those things that we just love here in Wisconsin, the roundabouts, okay? As you're coming into the roundabout, you look to your left and it's clear no one's coming. So you proceed into the roundabout. You have the right of way. And as you're going into the roundabout, because you have the right of way, no one's coming. You look over to your right and there comes someone, okay? And they're supposed to slow down and let you go through because you have the right of way. And as you look at them, they're, they're really not slowing down. And neither are you, because you have the right of way, right? And in fact, as, as you're looking at this car, you can even see the driver like quickly look back over their shoulder into the back seat, like maybe trying to take care of a, a kid or something, and they're not slowing down. You're going, why aren't you slowing down? And boom, there's a rack. You guys, your car's hit. Police officer comes to the scene takes you to the side, gets your side of the story, and you, you tell them, boy, I, I came in, you know, I slowed down, I looked to my left, no one was, was coming, so I proceeded into the roundabout because I had the right way, and as, as I was coming into the roundabout, I could see this car coming in from the right, and it, and it didn't look like it was really gonna stop or slow down for me, and the police officer goes, so then you started to brake and slow down. And you go, no, because I had the right of way. In fact, as I'm continuing on, I kind of see him look back into the back seat and stuff like that. And the police officer, so that's when you hit the brake. Oh, no, I didn't hit the brake at all because I had the right of way. It's the principle of the matter. The police officer shakes his hat and writes you a ticket for causing the accident. When it comes to our freedom, Jesus says to us, you, you know, you had the right of way, but you saw it was going to hurt their conscience and you continued on. If we say, yeah, you know, that person has issues. Jesus is going to say, no, you and I have issues. Just because it's right doesn't mean that it's the right or loving thing to do. Jesus died for all people, right? All sins. And Jesus died for people with strong consciences and weak consciences. We all mess up. Um, We need to be careful how we use our freedom so that we don't cause someone with a weak conscience to sin. And so if we go back to that, that original story with Steve and Bob, so Steve would say, so even though we're free to eat steak at the steakhouse in the third ward, I shouldn't invite Bob. Right. Okay, shouldn't push him to go there. Right. But I can go on my own, Steve says, but I can go, I just shouldn't tell Bob. Right. But that sounds like hypocrisy. But it's not. Because it's not a moral issue. It's a matter of conscience. When it becomes a moral issue is when you and I lead someone to sin 
against their conscience. And so Paul tells us, I'll give up my right, I'll give up my freedom so that I don't hurt someone else, so I don't wound their conscience because I love them and because I consider them more important than myself. So what are the keys to living a, a foolproof life in a divided society? Remember, knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. Knowledge puffs me up. Love builds the other person up. If there's ever anyone in the history of the world who had rights, it was Jesus Christ. He created the whole world. He created you and me. He formed us in our mom's womb, breathed into us the breath of life. Everything we have, everything we have, every good thing we have, is from Jesus. And what did Jesus do with all of his rights? Paul says this in, in Philippians chapter two. It says to us, therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Foolproof. It's not the sinful nature way. It's not the freedom way. It's not the, the way of my rights. It's the Christ-like way. The loving way. Where we consider others better than ourselves. So think about all your relationships 
and all your attitudes and all your political leanings and all your religious leanings and all your rights. Who do you need to give up your rights to like Jesus gave up his rights to you? Who do you need to love like Jesus loves you? Let's pray. Lord God, we, we ask that we frame everything now through your word and through your love, through your example. And that you would lead us to give up our rights for the sake of a weak brother or sister in Christ. We ask that you would lead us to love all people like you love us. Lord God, we thank you that as we look back on our lives, there have been times where we've been stubborn and where we've been selfish. And yet you sacrificed your rights and you poured out your love on us. We ask, Lord, that we would cherish that forgiveness and that love, and it would so motivate us, so make a difference in our lives, that you forgive us and that you love us. It would make such a difference that we would lead the foolproof, foolproof life of forgiveness and love for all. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Victory Podcast, brought to you by Victory of the Lamb in Franklin, Wisconsin. For video sermon archives, more information about us, and to let us know how we can meet you where you're at, go to victoryofthelamb.com.